You are listening to iFanboys Talk Explode with Scotty Young. Hey, I'm Josh Flanagan from iFanboy.com. Whether you know him from his covers at Marvel, his work on the Oz books, or his various podcasting stints, there's no one in comics like Scotty Young. With an artistic style that is completely his own, Scotty has forged a unique path in the comics industry. We're very pleased to have Scotty on Talksplode for the first time. Hey, I am here with Scotty Young. First time ever on a Talksplode. How you doing, Scotty? Good, man. How you doing? I am super. Uh, we are both newish parents. It's late at night. This could get wacky. That's all yep. I know. Crazy. <laughs> um, this is our time off. This is our time to be alive, man. Yes. I, I realize that I, have, I know you. I have, I've had you on the video show. I've been on other podcasts with you, but we've never had you on, on one of our audio podcasts. I know. I'm so excited. I know. My first, the first time that I ever met you was, was at Around Comics, and I didn't, I didn't know you or any of them then. Yeah, and I was a kind of a newbie to Around Comics as well, so we were both probably like over – we were probably both overdoing it to try to impress people. I'm oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm definitely. And then you moved in. <laughs> yeah. Then they just told me to stay, and I was like, "Oh, of course I will stay." Sure. Okay, that's fine. It's fu- it's yeah. addicting. You know, it's you're just talking, and then. Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, for somebody like for somebody like me, it's like um, I, I kind of understand what meth is like because. <laughs> um, it's twofold, right? I mean, I'm a I'm an outgoing person. I, I'm definitely a, a I'm definitely a talker, and I spend all day alone, right? <laughs> in a in a in a room by myself. So uh, if you sit me down in front of people to talk, especially with microphones, shit's gonna get real. It's gonna be on. Shit will get real, real. Now yes. let, let's let's make it real. Now I know I know bits and pieces of your story, and. Uh, but I don't know if I ever I know the thing from the beginning. Now, as I understand it, you uh, you you started off drawing pro comics fairly quickly from never having done comics before that. Pretty much, yeah. I I the only thing that I had done before Iceman number three in November of two thousand and one <laughs> was um, sample pages for a pitch that a buddy of mine and I were doing. For C.B. Sobolski, who I'm sure uh, your listeners know well, um, at that time he was – he had an imprint called Fanboy. I think Fanboy or Fanboy Inc. or something like that. Yeah, Fanboy is a dumb name. That's all I know. I, oh, wait. Don't, don't hate yourself. <laughs> I would uh, so change the name if I had the chance now, by the way. I know. I know. But hey, you know, like that's, uh, that's the downside of having something that uh, is successful for a long time. That's true. That's there could, yeah. could be worse things. It's true. It's definitely, I was like, it's kind of ironic. No? Okay. Yeah. It's fine. It'll come back around again. Like, at some point, it'll swing back around and be really sweet and cool. Until then, eh, you guys could just be all self-loathing and stuff. That's fine. I, I, yeah. I do really well with that. The other guy's not so much. Uh, <laughs> now, now, so, I mean, had you been into comics? Had you wanted to draw comics? Or was it just sort of a, an aside that you, that you hit the jackpot on? No, yeah, I had always wanted um, – I was into comics. I started reading comics in junior high. Um, so uh, that's late to some people. A lot, you know, Most people I know were reading comics a lot earlier and know a lot more about early comics than I do. Um, I started reading comics about the time Image started, so I was about in eighth grade. Um, and uh, somewhere in high school, um, you, this is back when the internet first had its like – first version of the internet where you go in a school like in our we'd go in our computer lab and <laughs> it's funny that there was like a special lab i know there was a room i remember going yeah. even through college i had the computer i never had a computer in college i went to the yeah room. yep you go to the computer lab and we took it we took a test it was a test it was like uh you fill this thing out and it's kind of like a survey about you and then it kicks out it like goes in at the time we thought it was like some gandalf magic shit right like it goes off into this the the world, and then it brings back a list of colleges that would like you would be good to go to. And I just thought I didn't understand, right? I didn't understand what the internet was or how this worked. I just thought, how is this computer going to know where I should go to college? Um, and so I filled out this little survey, and 
it came back with a few art schools, one of them being Joe Kubert School in New Jersey. And so when that came back, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. There is a college for comic book people. I just thought that's the best, that's the coolest thing on the planet. So I already read comics. I drew all the time. And I thought, well, of course, maybe this is what I'll do. I'll draw comic books. So from about like my, it was about my junior year, I think, is when I discovered Joe Kubert. So my goal was to go there, um, which I never did, or any I was other. Co- say, I, don't, yeah. I don't think you did that, did you? No, I didn't go to any other college. Um, but uh, that's where I decided that, hey, maybe I'll try to go do this for a living. But quickly, as soon as I graduated high school, um, even though I always wanted to draw comics, there, I just didn't know how you do that. Like, especially before the internet, the information on anything regarding the business was basically non-existent. There was no, you know, Marvel would release those, uh, those books, you know, tryout like the, books. yeah, the tryout books. But that, I mean, it still was just like, I didn't understand anything. So there was, there was a time from about, Probably, probably about the time I finally hit nineteen, I just thought, well, I draw and I'll draw myself, draw stuff, uh, and and then just said, forget, you know, I, I'm not going to do. Uh, I don't know how to do comic. I don't know how to get that job, so I'm not going to really reach for it. Um, I was really into music at the time and and did like, I did a lot of beat making beats and recording and DJing and stuff like that. So I was I had a band there, so I kind of I was kind of going. I wanted to do music and I wanted to do art, but I didn't know how to do art. But I, music was stuff you just did, mm-hmm. and it was there, and you were able to do it. You know, um, so, so is art, as far as like as I think you probably figured out. Well, you could do it, but yeah. I mean, the difference in like, you know, I could, I can, we could play music and go to a place, and people will bring their money and give us the money, and we'll play the music. Right? Um, they might not give us a lot of money. Uh, and back then I was making, you know, mixtapes and selling them out of my backpack and, and, uh, and things like that. But I didn't know how to do that with comic books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could make a little indie comic, you know, I could go do the Kinko style thing. And, and I'm sure a lot of people were doing it, but I didn't understand it and I didn't know how to get that going. So I didn't know that there was a job. I didn't know how to get that job. Um, and, cause at this time I was, I was living in Tennessee, uh, I went to high school in Tennessee. I'm from Illinois originally, but moved there in high school. Um, so it wasn't until I moved to Chicago where where the doors started to open a little bit. Now, had you been to like comic conventions or or anything before that, or just yeah, weirdly, yeah. Go ahead. What's well, interesting that that you know it's all that information about how to break into comics now. There's like this mini industry on the internet now about how to do it so if the, you're at the point now where you go to a convention and you you go talk to somebody like cb well you better have read that stuff ahead of time but 10 15 years ago you had no way of knowing that stuff i guess yeah and that's why there, there's something to there's something special to me about being naive mm-hmm. because if you're a ballsy person you just go do shit you know you just go do stuff and you see what happens um, now we have so much information that's laid out in front of us that we're almost all kind of forced into line. You know, we're all told to line up outside of something and then we all do it. You know, we all go line up for American Idol or whatever, right? Like there's always a system and there's so many hurdles in, in that system to, to go through. Before it was all unknown. So you just kind of were cavalier, wild, wild west style, like, Pow, pow, pow. I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot, you know, you're just going to go out and try to find your way. And that's kind of what I did was I met some guys in Chicago. I moved to Chicago, went to the comic book shop, drew, you know, I was, I drew some pictures. So I got introduced real quickly to a couple guys, uh, Joe, my friend, Joe Curry, who published some indie books in Chicago and had a little, you know, he was like, had his little company and was selling them to Diamond and, you know, Diamond would ship them out. And he was moving some books. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, right? When, like, when was that about? That was probably two ninety nine. That's more impressive because the industry was in the toilet then, too. Yeah. I mean, almost, you know, worse than now, which is nice work, your friend. Joe. Yeah, but see, that, I mean, that's another thing, though. You know, like, 
in hindsight, we always talk about how things are in the toilet or everything, but there was still comics being made and there were still comics being bought and sold. They just weren't. I think the toilet's relative to what came right before it, which sure. was this giant bloated bubble of mm-hmm. unreality, right? Like comics books just got normal, really. If you think about it, like, they went back down to reality. Same thing with the record industry. Like once people had to stop, once once record companies can't repackage it anymore, we they can't get those bloated numbers anymore. But yeah, so Joe, what I met him and. Wizard World Chicago was just getting ready to come up. It was like a week or so away. And he was like, oh, your stuff's great. You, I got the script. You could draw the script. He was really excited. I, I mean, th- and he ended up being a buddy of mine for years. He helped me ship my my sketchbooks and stuff later on. But uh, he was like, hey, I got this other script. You'll be perfect for it. You could draw it. I was like, sweet, I'll draw it. So there I was, right? I was. He was going to pay me like, I don't know. He's going to pay me like $50 a page or something. He was like a law clerk. Um, so he made a little money during the day and, and made his comic books. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, I moved to the big city. I'm I'm in with some artsy guys and they're doing it and it's grassroots and it was exciting. They had a table at Wizard World and um, they said, hey, just come out and sit with us. You know, like come out there and, and hang out. It's fun. And I was like, oh, I couldn't wait to go anyway. So we went out there. I went out there and. Um, at the time I had my portfolio, which was <laughs> this giant leather situation with handles and a zipper. Um, and it was filled with nothing comic book related. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may have looked comic, but it was much more. This, I mean, there was like graffiti and it was just illustrations. You know, it was just like free form drawing. Most of it pretty bad. Um, but I had that out, out there and, and, uh, I brought that with me and they gave me a little corner of their table and they're like, oh yeah, put it out there. Let people check it out. And I just thought this is the coolest thing in the world. So I just had my portfolio open up. Um, But I had no expectations. I wasn't attempting anything, but I was sitting on the other side of the table, you know? So people who would come by thought that I belonged there, right? Like people, so, um, and that's where I actually was out. This is when I, this is when I still smoked. So I was out having a cigarette and I came back and Joe had said, Oh, somebody from image stopped by mm-hmm. left you, left you. The, they wanted to talk to you, left you their card. And I just was like, I mean, at the time I thought image to me, image was no different than Marvel or DC. Like mm-hmm. I didn't understand the difference between the three or, or, or dark horse or any yeah. of them. I just thought comic books were comic books. Um, and, uh, it turned out to be CB and, and he just, I don't know if CB has, and even to this day, has I think one of the best abilities to foresee somebody's potential. Um, even people who obviously he saw something and it it wasn't there at the time. I mean, when I look back at what he did see, part of me wonders what the hell he was thinking. But he, he I think he does have an ability to see when somebody has a grasp on something. That if given a chance to develop, it'll it you know they'll they'll come into their own. So I th- somehow, and I'll always be grateful for it. But he saw something in my stuff, and left his card, and and uh, and that's that was kind of the genesis of it all was getting his number. Um, from there, that's how I started to put together that little you know little image book pitch with five or you know five pages or whatever. And at this point, had you drawn any comic scripts or done any sequential art? No. No, when when CB le- when CB gave me his number. Now CB was an employee of an image or anything, mm-hmm. but he was like I said, he was publishing books. He was publishing Kia Asamiya's um, Dark Angel series. I, I think I think I want to say he was doing fanboy or uh, sidekicks with uh, Jay Torres and and Takeshi, and um, they. So he was just looking for newer talent to put together some ideas and and start you know at that time imprints of image were really big yeah um dreamwave had just kicked off everybody had an imprint at that point at image um and so he was looking to kind of fill his his um his book or his imprint with kind of you know more kind of the cartoony-esque manga-esque style i mean i was nowhere near manga but at that time, if you looked, if you just drew any animated yeah. style, people kind of called you manga, um, which maybe I think they might still do that today. But 
Um, so that's kind of that's what happened. He left his card. I had never really done any sequentials, and um, and then I did my first five sequentials because of him. Because uh, he said, "Do you have any ideas?" And I said, "Me and my buddy were kind of coming up with one." And then me and my me and my buddy Jacob sat in his uh, his apartment for about two weeks and thought up thought up did some doodling wrote some notes and then did some thumbnails and went to full blown pages and and um here's a this is another this is a funny story about that we did a five page pitch called it was a book called undertow i thought it was so cool it was pretty much a panel like a top to bottom rip off of steampunk except it was underground <laughs> uh, right but i mean the drawing i was like a worshipped Chris Pacello, steampunk was coming out. Little did I know that people like the majority of people didn't like steampunk because it was too <laughs> it was too much for it was too much of whatever. There were a lot but of sound effects. In my head, it was the biggest selling book ever because I loved it, right? And that's how that's how comics worked at that time. If I liked it, that person was rich and they sold millions <laughs> of copies, right? Um, this is this might be how I ended up actually having any amount of success because I'm not I'm not dumb when it comes to see some... I've, I've actually hit the opposite that when I really like something I know that it's doomed yeah I've, I've come to realize that I used to feel like that I used to feel yeah. oh this is great this must be so good why wait why is it getting canceled yeah I've I I, I have such a, a upswing outlook on most things that, yeah I'm just like well if I like this this has to be the most successful thing in the world let's do it so um, I basically just copied pretty much uh i tried to copy his style um to the point where i looked at uh, at one point john rochelle was uh coloring it coloring steampunk and he was working at he was doing some work at, i think he was also working at crossgen at the time um and i had searched the internet i had searched the internet google wasn't a thing yet um i had searched the <laughs> internet Vista. yeah uh I searched the internet until I found his contact information somehow. And damn if I did not s- get him to color our sample pages. Nice work. Like, my first five sequential pages ever were colored by... And at, at that time, I thought, like, even the colorist of Steampunk, to me, rode in a Lexus. You know <laughs> So I just thought, I was on cloud nine because I just... But I've done that most of my life where if I just – if something's out there, I'm going to just email them and say – or contact them somehow and just ask the question because in my mind, the worst thing in the world that could happen is they say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of just how I've gotten most things is you know, wh- I started at Marvel as a penciler and then I just said, hey, can I ink myself? All right. Hey, do you think I could color my own books? Sure. <laughs> you, know, like, you just kind of ask and then usually people say yes. I, you know, I don't know. But – yeah, up until then, the, the the samples for the image thing was that was my first sequential pages ever. Mm-hmm. Did you? I mean, because you've you've talked about this that you know you didn't really have any idea about how that stuff worked or anything, and and so we just kind of winging it. Or I mean, yeah, I mean, I I liken it to what you play guitar, right? I do. When you probably when you started off, did there were probably times where you'd pick up your guitar. And you might – again, this is pre-internet, so you couldn't just easily grab the the tab or whatever for – You had to buy Guitar Player Magazine, and there were five songs in it. Yeah, and, and, and you I, had to hope that one of them would be yeah, your song. Yeah, and I would be like, well, fuck it. I'm, I guess I'm learning God if it was one of us. Shit. All right. 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 Or you'd you'd attempt. Yeah. You'd listen, and you'd start that – You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure now years later you can you, – you know, you pick it up by ear, and you you know, you know understand it. Similar I'll go to with that. Sure. Thank you. Right. <laughs> but that's how it was back then with art you for me at you know at that time i was 21 22 when we were pitching it and at that time it literally was monkey see monkey do right i was just looking and trying to like soak it in um and see what happens because i did you know i didn't go to art school um I knew I wanted to do comic books but i didn't really know what that ent- what, what what that entailed i didn't know I didn't understand what storytelling was. I don't even know if I knew that term, mm-hmm. right? I just knew that comic books looked really cool. Joe Mad drew really cool, and maybe I could draw really cool. <laughs> so it it really was. I mean, I think back to it now, and and I can't believe 
that I ended up getting job a job because I didn't understand it. But I I think I've come to learn that not many people do you know understand a, a ton um, when when you start off. It's we're always learning. I mean, I'm, and I still don't understand it all. But well, you, you must have been doing something. I mean, you know, because I'm sure that that folks who hot you know people who are working at Marvel or wherever. They know mm-hmm. when they're going to look at something like this storytelling is awful. Even you know they didn't call it that, or they weren't thinking. You know they know, so there must have been some sort of root of of whatever it was you were picking up. You know, I guess. I th- yeah, I think at the very beginning, like when I the Iceman thing, I don't necessarily count. That was such a blur. That was our that was my first job. I the Iceman number three. Um, I fell into that. CB was a writer. He was writing at Marvel. He was at the offices. Mike Martz. Uh, who was at Marvel at the time, said, hey, do you know anybody who could do a fill-in issue really fast? And CB said, yeah, I know this pencil inker team in Chicago. They could do it. They live right next to each other. They could do it really – they could turn around for you quick. And it was me and my friend Jacob. And um, and he called and said, hey, act surprised, but in about an hour, Mike Martz is going to call you and give you offer you a, a job. And I just flipped out. Um, and of course, yeah, he did. He called and offered us the job and we, we turned the book around and in, uh, just under four weeks, which I mean, at the time I thought, well, God, is this what happens? Like, uh, <laughs> but we just made it up. You know, we had the previous issues. Carl Kershaw was the artist on the series. Um, and we just kind of looked at what he was doing and see if we could match it or try it. But I was still adding my own flavor into it, but as much as I could, but, um, after that, when I got when about six months after that is when I got we put together um, the Spider-Man Legend of the Spider Clan miniseries. I think by that time I was always a big animation junkie. Like I worshipped the Disney movies. I I think by that time I had watched any kind of making of any animation. I'd un, I'd started to study that stuff a lot more than I had comic books, only because there was more material out in the world for me to to get. There were more animator books at the bookstore. There was DVDs had a lot of animation and talked about character design and things like that. So I had started to understand film and movies a little bit. And so storytelling kind of came from that first for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I got to Spider-Clan, I just treated it like a cartoon. And I, so that's where I think even though my, my drawing skills definitely were at like, they weren't there yet. My storytelling, I think, was was at least at a at a decent level, and they were seemed to always be pleased with my storytelling. Um, they always seem to be pleased with anything, but I mean, uh, I I luckily over the years I got the chance to learn more, you know, just learn about drawing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got this you've got this book that sort of came from out of nowhere, and you've, you've, you're drawing a Marvel book with almost no experience behind you, by the way, which has got to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's, I wish, I often say I wish the story was more romantic. Like, I wish I had, you know, I could say I, like, paid my dues yeah. and well, lived in the gutter. But, you know, hey, I, I really fell ass backwards into it. It's good work if you can get it, is, right. is all I know. So, so how long from that point to when uh, you were doing it full time? Um, Iceman. I did Iceman that month, and then about six months later is when um, when I started. I got two issues of X Men Unlimited that they gave me, and they were like half stories, mm-hmm. so like fourteen pages or twelve pages, something like that. And that was I was to do those while waiting on the scripts to come in for um, the Spider Man Legend of Spider Clan, which was a five issue miniseries. Um, so it was about a six month gap. And then um, once I started on once I started on those, it it really just it didn't stop for me for the next couple years because every time I would do one project, um, I would before I'd get to the end of that issue, they already had another like by the time I got to the last issue of Spider Clan, um, the Human Torch they had that gear going, like that little lineup going, and they wanted me to jump right into that. So I was finishing up Spider Clan and starting Human Torch at the same time, mm-hmm. and so running with that. And I was I was lucky in those first couple projects because they were they were 
they got my name out a lot at the beginning because they were part of initiatives. You know, like at the time, Marvel was just they were throwing things against a wall. The MangaVerse had 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 some had you know done pretty well. So, Legend of Spider Clan was kind of a nice little cult book, mm-hmm. and that got my name out a lot, like way more than way more than. It sh- I should have had, you know, that I deserved probably at the stage that I was and how young I was. But this, the book, you know, it was like a cool little book. It was like an interpretation of Spider-Man. It was fun. Um, they made a toy of it, you know. So there's a lot of cool things that came from that. And then the Human Torch was the same thing. They were they were trying to do a line of comics that were geared a little bit more towards. I think I don't. The line was weird because they wanted it to be geared towards manga fans. They called it Tsunami, the line of comics, and it was, it was uh, Human Torch. Uh, Venom got launched at that time with uh, Francisco Herrera. Um, Runaways, Runaways was launched there. Um, a few and a few other books. New Mutants, which New Mutants then came a million other books by the end. New X, which full circle. Then I go to New X Men years later, where that where, where that branched off that, but. Um, yeah, so that again, that was a big launch and a big initiative that they did a lot of push for. So you had like Joe Casada in press releases saying like Human Torch by future superstar Scotty Young. You know, I mean, these are press release things, right? Mm-hmm. So I ne- it never went to my head, but at the same time, you're going, oh, that's it. Like I got a thing, you know, like it, it, you're, oh, there's a press release with me in it. That's awesome, you know? And so you just get really excited and that helps snowball it a little bit more. Um, and then from Human Torch, right out of Human Torch, I jumped on Venom and finished that series off. So for the next like three, three or four years, it just kept going. And the nice thing was, this is where the cartoony style thing never really, you know, because a lot of people sometimes think that me having a different style or being cartoony was a hurdle. The thing that a lot of people in comic books didn't know or people that may have bought my comics didn't know is – Alongside of all that, as soon as I did Legend of the Spider Clan, as soon as that series started coming out, I started getting phone calls and emails from animation. Mm-hmm. So Universal contacted me, um, and I helped to develop an entire Hulk cartoon mm-hmm. that never saw the never came to life because the movie didn't end up doing as well. I don't think as they wanted it to. So, but I mean, I did hundreds of drawings of Hulks and kid Hulks and backgrounds. So I, I designed toys for Fisher-Price. I designed little vinyl toys for, Fish, or for Mattel, um, toy design for Fisher-Price. I did, uh, I've done stuff for Warner Brothers and the cartoon. So all along this, of comics mm-hmm. where you get a lot of credit, I was off doing and making a little bit of side money doing all this other stuff that nobody really ever knew about. So that's where the cartoony thing didn't ever bother me because it actually helped get me <laughs> other jobs in other places that I could do alongside comics. Oh. Well, let me ask you this. Now, now we're using the word cartoony, and, and mm-hmm. I know that we've talked about this before, but it's one of those things when you're trying to describe comic book art, and there's cartoony and realistic or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. how, is, is cartoony how you describe your work, and is that just for lack of a different term, or, or is that work for you? I, it works for me. I know some people have a hang-up with it. Some people think it's a bad word. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really care, really. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me what it um, – I know that – I realize that we label everything. I mean, I label stuff. It just helps us, right? It just helps us understand what it is that we're going after. Or, or if, if, if I'm looking for a certain book, uh, you know, if I go on Twitter and I'm looking for a novel to buy, I don't just go, Hey, I want to read a novel. Give me some novels, <laughs> right? I want to, I want to tell you, I want to read this genre novel and I want it to be like a quirky comedy or whatever. And it helps me to label it. So I understand when, when people put the label cartoony on it, uh, our art, it looks like a cartoon. So, you know, or it looks like an animated thing. So it, it's fine with me. I know some people use it negatively mm-hmm. where, you know, because they, uh, some people think comic books are supposed to look one way. Mm-hmm. And so when they don't, it's to something else. Um, but that's, that's just subjective, you know, so it doesn't really bother me. Cause I also know, um, that there's a decent group of people that love anything that's super cartoony you know so it's now, it's never been a big deal now i remember uh when you were you were showing up on around comics a lot and you were you were saying well something's going to come up that that i'm really excited about that we've been thinking about for a really long time 
uh, and that turned out to be the Oz books that you've been doing for the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how did those come about? Where did they come from? And, and uh, I guess just tell us a little about uh, the beginning of that. That was um, we. I was working on New X Men at the time. Uh, I did a seven issue run on New X Men, um, and it was great. You know, we Chris Yost was the writer at the time, and and we. Uh, during that run, we did we brought back Magic, which was really cool. Um, it was leading into a crossover, uh, so we we brought sales up. I think like fifteen thousand copies over our seven issue run. Um, so that was really awesome. So I it was and if you're listening, that doesn't happen very. Yeah, often. it, it <laughs> was very it was crazy. We really like. I mean, there was backups and there was crossover, so there was a lot of things that that led to it. But at the end result was there was kind of a lot of heat on it, and I. Up until that point, I had like uh, like I had mentioned earlier, I, I was always doing kind of initiative books and kind of newer projects, and and this was my first chance to jump on and do a run on an established book, you know, a little bit higher caliber book, and and people seemed to really enjoy it, um, and and I wasn't, um, it was kind of the first first my first time out where people where reviews were actually like, oh, this is pretty cool, instead of like, oh, it's the cartoony fucker again, you know, <laughs> um. So while we were doing that, I had I had been exclusive at Marvel just uh I think just a year or so by that point, a year and a half. And um I got a call from uh I got a call from one of the editors and said, Hey, we think we got we want to offer you next project and see what you think. And I was like, ah, cool. And and they said we're you know, at the time they had the illustrated line. I'm not sure if they still have it or not, I don't pay I don't attention. Think so. Um, at the time, it was called Marvel Illustrated, and they had been doing things like Treasure Island, and um, I don't know what else. They had done a bunch of them, and I think Roy Thomas did most of them. Yeah, wrote, wrote most of them. Um, and they said, "But we want to try. We want to try to do Oz, the Wizard of Oz novels. Um, but we want to do something a little different than what we've been doing with the adaptions, which, which were." I think we're cool, but they, I think they were just like adaptions of novels that looked exactly like what you would think comic books look like, you know? They were kind of flat. I remember seeing some of them thinking, oh, that's, that's interesting, and then starting to read it, and I was just like, oh, it, it yeah. just didn't, it didn't give much more to the experience, I think. Yeah, and, and when they called me, they didn't, they didn't put them down, but they also, they, they seemed to still be trying to figure it out, you know, and, and, and what could work. And so when they brought, when they said Wizard of Oz, I just thought like, wow, that would be really cool. Eric Schenauer wasn't involved yet. Um, they had mentioned that they'd like to get him, but he wasn't on board yet. I don't know. And they hadn't contacted him yet. Um, so they uh, they were like, but we, you know, uh, David Gabriel and Dan Buckley were, Dan Buckley's always been a big champion of mine, which I've always appreciated. And, and I think those two guys really thought that I would work well I would do something fun with that. And I thought this couldn't be more perfect. Like I couldn't believe that I was working at Marvel and then they were offering me a job like this, which is the kind of stuff that I'd always wanted to draw. Mm-hmm. I always liked the children's stories, the fantasy stuff that it's just that in comic books, there's, you know, in Marvel or TC, there's not a lot of that to be had. So you, you try to fit in on what they do have. It's um, kind of fat because there really isn't much like that, and the stuff that is doesn't doesn't last very long. I mean, you're, you're, you're it's a very atypical career move again. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, well, when they when and because when they came to me, I thought what's weird is Tom Caters was actually at my house the night before mm-hmm. that they called me, and we had him over, him and his wife specifically over to watch the Oz movies. We were watching Return to Oz that night, so we had made a big deal about like watching Oz and talking about Oz and he had just got the Oz novels. And so it was very, very weird that I would get that call the next day about that. Now. So I, I always, I tend to get really excited about anything that happens. So usually what I will do is I'll say, cool. And I'll think about it. Right. So that way I don't get overly excited to jump on something that maybe I should pause and take a, a minute to think about. So, um, I said, hey, you know what? Yeah, let me get, give it. A th- let me give it a thought. I'll give you a call back in the next couple of days. And I was so excited. I thought, oh my god, I'm going to work at Marvel. I'm going to do like some cool this cool thing. And then, like that comic book brain of mine started thinking, like, I don't know, like, uh, 
I'm on X-Men right now. I got a little X-Men heat, you know, and then I'm going to go do like a kind of a kid's book, like which I love. I'm going to go do what I think I fit best on. And I, I was afraid that I was going to not be seen. Like I just thought that um, I was going to get shoved in the back corner where they keep the kids comics and I was going to I was going to come off a hot run of an X-Men book and then disappear for a year while I worked on this. Um, and so I called him back the next day and was and just said, I, I think I'm going to pass on this. And, you know, cause I knew I was exclusive. So I knew, you know, I knew I'd get more work uh-huh. and, you know, I could, I had, that was a nice benefit to be able to, you know, be a little bit more picky with what you put, what I, what I wanted to work on. And, and I just said, I think that I've, I don't know, man, I don't know if it's the right move career-wise, even though artistically it was the exact right move. Yeah. Um, so I turned it down and we got off the phone and I just was like, all right, all right, you know, and, and I'm back on the phone with Zeb and we're trying to come up with some stuff. And to like, to Gabriel and Dan Buckley's credit, they had Chris Allo, who was the talent person at the time, to their credit, uh, and I, Dan Buckley, I think was probably the most instrumental. He's, he just kept saying, no way he's perfect for this. Like, uh, because despite a lot of people, I always had a few champions. Like, even though I didn't fit on every book, there was always a few champions up there that were like, no, let, you know, let's try them out on this. Let's try them out on this. And so they really pushed. And so Chris Allo over the course of about the next two weeks made probably three or four more phone calls to me. And each time would say like, all right, like uh, you, the schedule is whatever you want, right? Like you could do whatever this – we'll slow roll it. You could take your time. Um, we'll give you another book on the side so you could do what – you know, you could do that. At the time, I was I wanted to start writing. So they were letting me – you know, and I've started to write since then. So they really, they really were like making it nice, for, you know, a nice chance for me to be a part of it. And I thought, all right. So finally I, th- I said – I really want to do this. So you know what? I, yeah, you've, you sweeten the pot. It's nice now. I'll jump in. I'll disappear for a year. That's really what I thought. I'll mm-hmm. disappear. I'll be on the podcast. I'll be, I'll hit up online really hard and try to keep, I'll do covers. I was starting, I was just then starting to get a lot of cover gigs, mm-hmm. um, which was, which was super cool. Um, and I was trying new styles with these covers. I was doing Deadpool. I did about, I think I had about 16 or 17 Deadpool or 15 Deadpool covers there for a while around 2007 or something, uh, 2008. And, and so I was trying new styles and that was fun. And um, so I just said, well, yeah, I'll do it and I'll, I'll just bite the bullet for a year and then I'll try to reinsert myself into Marvel proper after it's all done. Um, and yeah, three years later. <laughs> um, yeah, that worked out. Yeah. It, yeah, it was pro- definitely the best decision I've ever made as far as that stuff goes. It must have been sort of that that time between like when that first issue comes out and you're just like, well, I guess we'll see what happens. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's that. It, it's not like I don't want to make it sound like I was taking some big risk because, you know what, I was getting paid. I was getting paid and I was getting paid well to do it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not like I was sitting here scared about what was going to happen. It was more, you know. Whenever you're trying to, whenever you're trying to figure this stuff out, you're also trying to figure out what's going to be the best stepping stone. Like, you want to do what's best for the moment, but you also want to try to figure out: is this going to help push me to six months later? Is this going to help me put myself in a position for next year? Because, you know, anybody who knows this business knows that pretty much every six months, every six to seven months, we're usually on the prowl for another gig. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of always in the back of your head. Um, so when I was working on Oz, because I really thought I spent about, I don't know, four or five months just drawing. Um, you know, I just got off new X-Men. That was a pretty, the schedule on that was pretty crazy. So I kind of decompressed and then that's when we were moving out of the city as well. So uh, for about six months, I took like a break and I just drew, I just drew doodles and doodles of Oz. And because I didn't think that anybody would see it, I just did whatever. I kind of switched up my style and I started inking with a brush near the end of New X-Men. So I was experimenting with, with, with technique and everything like that. And 
there was a freedom there. There was almost like a like a weight lifted because I didn't have that fear of like, well, Spider-Man fans like this. Well, well X-Men fans like this. Because I always wanted to serve that as well as serve me, myself, artistically um, and try to strike a balance. And here was something that there would be no expectations. I think people who were – there's a big Oz community, but I wasn't a part of it. So I wasn't afraid of them, right? So I just thought, well, I'll just live on the outside of that. So by the time I did that first issue and the first issue com- came out, I was so oblivious to the fact that it would exist in the world that when it actually worked and people – like everybody kind of turned their eyes towards it, I was really like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> like, It just was a shocker because I did there was no – there was no anxiety about it. I just – I felt so comfortable with the, the, with the work that I had done that – and usually by the time I turn in work, it's always three months, three to four or five months later, it hits shelves. So by the time it hits shelves, I've so forgot about that. Um, yeah, so by the time Oz, the first Oz issue came out, I don't think I was nervous at all. I just thought – I was just shocked that it, that people were actually checking it out. That's cool. Talk to me because I think the thing the thing that struck me about that was most was was sort of the, the design, which is I guess what you're talking about where you spent you know all that time sort of doodling on them and stuff and – they're just really fun designs, and they're, Thanks, they're really, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I look at the, at the lion, I'm like, that is that's just fantastic. It makes me want to look at it, and the, and they're they're bouncy and kinetic and fun. Like, how many how many of those did you know sort of hit right away the way that you wanted them to, or how long did you spend developing sort of that look until you're happy with it? The the look itself um, kind of d- came out of other experiments like at around that time we had started doing drawing nights in chicago every wednesday and that's kind of where i started playing around with a brush um like weirdly enough i when i started to use a brush i wanted to try to ink really perfectly like tim townsend right like again i wanted to try to be chris pacello and tim townsend was his inker so i would try to ink like that mm-hmm. and what would happen is i would try to ink well and then i would mess up because it's hard, you know, <laughs> and to finish out a drawing, I would just start going really fast and just like, well, I don't want to leave it unfinished. So I'll just scribble this stuff in and just go. And over the course of some drawings and weeks of going to drawing night and messing around, I would keep doing this method of half clean and then a mess up and then just scribble it until at some point the scribbling part started to feel like, whoa, wait, there's like something there. I think like, there's something raw there. And then I just kind of went with that side of it and stopped trying to be clean. And I almost treated inking closer to how I sketch. So I would loosely draw in a framework and then go in with a brush and make a lot of decisions with brush and not worry about lines connecting or, you know, and really just go back to cartooning um, and kind of start at the beginning again and just, you know, where cartooning is a lot of indication. It's not all – it's not representational. It's not exactly what you see. It's what you think you see. Mm-hmm. So there's like this line and, and instead of me getting exactly how a wrinkle works, I just want to take that brush and dab it a couple times like zigzag it and it kind of all of a sudden looks what you think a wrinkle looks like and it works. Um, and so that – once I started doing that and then on the so- – when I started drawing the Oz characters, it was more about finding shapes. Um I knew I was going to be drawing these characters for at least eight issues. So I needed to make sure that their shapes were such that every time I drew them, I understood what to draw because these weren't superheroes. I, you know, I couldn't just go with your anatomy, you know, which I couldn't just go with comic book school, you know? Um, So it's kind of going back to animation again, find the shape, find the silhouette. And that's what I spent most of those months doing was just whittling away at the silhouettes and whittling away at the shapes um, once I did that, then I just took that kind of brush style and it kind of was like a no brainer. Cause if you go back to those old school cartoonists and everything, the brushing style, it's, it actually feels that way where there's just a lot of kinetic energy. Um, yeah. And the, the two seemed to work out really well. It, it, it was, it, and, and it was just easier. <laughs> it was, all of a sudden I wasn't so concerned with how perfect everything looked. And it was crazy because all of a sudden there was no mistakes. Mm-hmm. Nothing. There was not. A, there was no such thing as a mistake. If my brush went too far one way, it didn't matter. So all of a sudden, like for for the first time, probably ever in my career, I was drawing like 
100% instinctual. I was just drawing from the gut. There was no, a, there was no attempting to look like Umberto. There was no attempt to look like Bacello. There was no attempt to look like Travis or whoever, you know, whatever artists drew the best Thor or drew the best Wolverine. And okay, I'm going to do my version of his Wolverine or whatever. It was the first time to like, that I just felt like I was just completely going from nowhere and just scribbling. So yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty great. So how long does Oz go on for? I mean, I mean, is it indefinite at this point or is it? Well, right. Yeah. Right now. I mean, the, the, um, I don't know the numbers on any of the stuff actually, but I do know the hardcovers are doing very well, mm-hmm. uh, in the bookstores and the comic book shops and online. Um, so, I I mean, if everybody keeps buying them, we'll keep making them. I mean, I know right now uh, we're working on the third the third novel. Um, I'm over halfway done penciling that. Um, Ozma of Oz, and I think Eric. I don't know if it's supposed to be announced or not, but I think Eric's working on the script for the next one, uh, which is Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Um. So yeah. Uh, I know there's like I think there's 14 novels that Baum himself wrote, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if those are considered the main ones. And then there's like I don't know 40 past I don't know how there's so many of these things. Um, but right now, I I I plan on staying on it. I don't see an end in sight for me right now, um, mostly because it's nice to have. It's there's not many opportunities for artists anymore to have runs like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, like I said, or usually it's a mini and then you move on to another mini and then you move on to another mini, you know, maybe you might get two minis, you know, two arcs, but, um, usually we're just a lot of minis that go into a trade. And, and so there's not a lot of series that you get to start from issue one and, and then just keep going. And, and we're doing eight issues, eight issues for each novel now. So this is our third, you know, this is our third one. And um, so part of me wants to do it for that. A or B, I'm, I'm quicker now. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to uh, get done with work a little earlier in the day, which allows me to work on personal projects, um, which is uh, <laughs> going back to the very, very beginning, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. It's very weird because I've always felt that I'm like a, I'm an indie person at heart. And I've worked. I've never not done an. I've never really done indie stuff. I've worked for Marvel for ten years, <laughs> so it's it's finally. I feel like I'm I'm confident enough in my work now. I'm I'm I've got a little speed, and um, I'm in a situation where I can get a paycheck and feel comfortable and feed the kid and feed the dog and the wife, and then also. Uh, get a little personal project stuff on the side as well. So it, I, I feel right now I couldn't be in a better spot as far as comic books go. Mm-hmm. Now, now speaking of some of this other stuff, now I know that you, uh, you know, you've been talking about about working on some other stuff. You had you had a kind of graphic novel thing going. You've got mm-hmm. uh, you've got some other things. When when will the world see some of this? Uh, I know there's like there's the Bernard book that you just mm-hmm. sold and then put up uh, digitally and things like that, but I, I there was a bigger project or there is something. Yeah, there's that. a bigger project being worked on right now. I um and I started talking about it a little bit. Um, I got so excited at the beginning of the process and it helped kind of motivate me over my yeah. hurdle at the beginning, and so I kind of talked about it and then I just pulled back while I'm working on it. Um, I, part of me doesn't like to get too excited. I I get, again I get so excited that I always have to make sure like. Calm down. Don't talk about it too much because you're going to waste all the hype. You're going to wait, you know, and I'm a comic fan and I've seen it too many times, right? Where like, like I don't want the wind to blow out of sails too early because by the time the project hits, the buzz has already happened and gone. Um, and I don't want that to happen. So yeah, it's going slowly, but surely, um, just, just tick it away on the graphic novel and then, um, there's been a few things that, you know, a few things pop up here and there, opportunities that you kind of take and you, you put a little pause on it. But so the, the, the graphic novel is all the way written. I'm about halfway through drawing it. Um, and so I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that that stuff starts to come out by this summer. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know how necessarily I'm going to put it out. <laughs> you oh, know? So I was going to say, cause you, you sort of, you did that experiment with the $2 digital comic and that seemed yeah. to go pretty well. 
So are you you sort of thinking about different ways that you can you can take that that maybe aren't the same as as the traditional methods? Or? Yeah, I mean the 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 really really interesting thing with all the digital stuff is it's it's just wide open right now, and it's a, it, it's. I've, I didn't expect to move I didn't expect to sell as many downloads as I did with Bernard uh, as quickly as I did and I like the idea that I've already made I sold I've sold 730 downloads of Bernard in, in a month but so that doesn't sound like huge numbers but in today's model, our publishing model on an independent level, like if I go publish with image or, or, or whatever, because of diamond and the publisher and, and, and the printing and, and the, the, the retailers, I would have to sell about three to 4,000 copies of that issue to make the same money that I just made off of selling 730 downloads. And Bernard, like, or, or any book like this, it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, once those, once those 4,000 sell of that one issue, until the trade, that's capped, you know, it's, unless you're a major hit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, I'm not putting down that system. It's just that we all know that that system is hard to crack. And, yeah, and, and getting and, harder. Yeah, it's getting harder to crack. And, and so really, this is just an experiment to see what's possible out there. Um, to do uh, d- just to go straight to people mm-hmm. um, because I know I have the benefit of, of, of having a little bit of a fan base built in from X-Men and Oz and some of the books that I've worked on over the years. Um, so that's been interesting. And yeah, I definitely am thinking that it, it I might want to just release it that way. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like it's a terrible idea. And if, I, I at least will do that as long, even if I go a right traditional publishing route. I think from now on, I'll always try to, on any independent stuff, maintain the digital rights myself mm-hmm. and still try to do that. Because mm-hmm. um, I've done so much research in the, uh, in the novel world and in, in prose world about uh, people uh, self-publishing through the Kindle store and stuff like that, that I thought it'd be interesting to try this model with comics and mm-hmm. see what happens. Now, now this summer uh, I was at San Diego Comic Con and and I ran into Nick Lowe. Nick is the the X Men editor, and mm-hmm. and you came up somehow. I, I'm not sure what it was, but he goes, you know, Scotty, he's also a really good writer. And I said, yeah. And and he said, he said, oh yeah, he's writing some stuff for us now. And and you you've got written scripted work that you didn't draw coming out on the horizon. Mm-hmm. How's how's yeah. how's that? What's that about? <sighs> it's awesome. It's so fun. Um, <laughs> The over the years of uh, you know working, I'm a huge movie fan. I read a lot. You know, I just I just am an entertainment junkie in general. And you can't help but after ten years of drawing scripts and drawing good ones and drawing bad ones, you can't help but start to learn. You know, and just and then when you have stories to tell and you want to be a part of it, it's 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 nice to be able to start or challenge yourself in new ways. So. Um, I don't want to say 2008 was my uh, – actually, right before New X-Men, I did my first writing where I wrote and drew a Frankenstein story in the Legion of Monsters um, where John Barber called me and said, hey, do you want to draw um, Do you want to draw a Legion of Monsters story? And I said, well, yeah. And so what I said before, I just asked to do so. Yeah, do you think I could write it? <laughs> They're like – he said, well, yeah, sure. Just don't fuck it up. <laughs> and so I wrote and drew that. Um and people seemed to dig it. It was kind of a fun little story. And um, then Nick hit me up to same thing. Do you want to draw an X-Men story? I was like, hey, I drew this. I wrote and drew this thing. Do you think I could write it? And Nick was like, yeah, sure. I liked your Frankenstein thing. So I drew a drew a, a Noli story for that. Nick really dug it. And he came back to me again. And then I, I wrote my first short that somebody else drew. Dan Panosia drew a Juggernaut story that I wrote. Um, I think that was like a 2009 and one of the Manifest Destiny or one of those uh, anthologies. Um, so each time I've learned a little bit more. Nick Nick has been a really big supporter. He's he's offered me a couple more that just because of time and schedule didn't work out. But Nick was a really, really big supporter in it and seemed to like the stuff. So um, 
uh, Sebastian over at Marvel, when uh, Deadpool team up was getting ready to wrap up, um, he came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to write a a Deadpool team up issue?" I don't think it was wrapping up at the point that he came to me, but he just said, "Hey, do you want to write a Deadpool team up issue?" Uh, I think he wanted me to draw it as well, and I was like, "You know what? I'm trying. I would like to try to get a." I want to just write a little bit and just see, you know, work with some artists and see how that process goes on a full issue. And, um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of extra time because I just had my son. But, um, yeah, so I, I, uh, he just um, told me to pitch whatever idea I wanted to pitch him for a Deadpool team up. I mean, there's not a whole lot of rules, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I just, I said, hey, uh, what about Galactus? And, uh what if, what if Deadpool was uh, a herald of Galactus? Like the the economy's really rough, and and uh, Deadpool needs a job. He needs a real job because nobody's nobody's paying up on his assassin jobs, and and so he he finds a, an ad on a website to get a, a herald job. So yeah, and he liked it. And then um, I got my buddy Ramon Perez involved on on the art, and um, man, it was awesome. It was it's once I wrote it. A writing <laughs> these asshole writers, man, they have it made. They just like <laughs> you, you, you writers. Cause I sat there, wrote that script and I just was like, wait, I just had an idea. And then it, I wrote it and then it's done. Like, as opposed to like all the hours that I have to come down here and fire up this and print off that and sharpen this and ink blot that. And, all right. Now it's a little hard. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, this is a blast. And then when um when Ramon started sending pages back, um it's even better because you start to understand how excited a writer gets mm-hmm. when their ideas uh when it is their idea, but it's something more than what they ha- you know what they they had in mind. It's it's a new it's something new. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't experienced that really. I mean, I experienced it in a small dose. And the X Men story with Dan, but on a on the and and I feel like I'm a little bit even better writer than I was there, um, but to see it see it come to life from the thumbnails to the inks, oh man, it was just awesome. It's it's so great. So I I just got the final inks uh, in yesterday, so we're just getting ready to color it up. So it should be hitting sometime soon, March. Yeah, I think it, I think it comes out in March. It's the last issue of Deadpool Team Up, and then um, yeah, Marvel. Um, I've been talking to Steve Wacker about writing some stuff um, with him in his office, and then um, Nick Nick has always hit me up to pitch. I just pitched another miniseries to him that uh, well he he had a couple other writers pitching a certain character and uh, asked me if I wanted to throw my throw my uh, hat in the ring and and so yeah it's something that um, I'm trying to I I'm writing stuff on my own but. It's fun to be able to get a little, um, you know, work with the editors. Uh, Nick is a great editor. He has a lot. I mean, he has so much experience up there. I mean, he's been up there as long as I've I've been working there. So um, he's worked with some some of the greatest writers, you know, that have, that have passed Marvel in the last you know ten years. So I he's a great well to learn from as far as you know. Uh, he's given me some great tips that. I keep with me almost every time I sit down to script a page. I'll, you know, there's three, like three or four sentences that he'll mention to me and I'll be like, Oh yeah, delete that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's been good. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm great at it yet, but I'm at the beginning, you know, just learning and trying to get better. Well, once again, you're learning how to do it while at Marvel comics. Yeah. So that's, I, uh, could, could be worse, I guess. It's not like anyone's watching. It's fine. Yeah, that, that is that was a lot of pressure at the beginning of the career, where you're just like, not many people have to learn how to do something while people are d- giving reviews and like my the first review that I ever saw somebody where they said Marvel needs to fire him, <laughs> I just was like, you know, this is before I had my thick skin and before I, I mean where I just wanted to like find this guy and do something really terrible. You know, we were just like, why don't you want me to pay my rent? Just like <laughs> I draw a shape that you don't like and you don't want me to pay rent. This is bizarre. Um, but yeah, the, now what's that guy doing now though? Yeah. <laughs> probably something stupid. Exactly. <laughs> sure. But yeah, it, it, it could be worse. It's, uh, uh, it, it, every, every day you just go, 
I can't not I cannot believe this is what I do. You know, like it never you just never get used to it. You are a guy who seems to be pretty happy with his station. Yeah, you, I mean, I mean, I was happy waiting tables to tell the yeah. truth. I mean, um, just yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I get to come down into a room every day and pull out paper and make stuff up. So you can't. I mean, I mean, I know on you know on Twitter and and stuff, I see it, we we. We can kind of lose perspective at times, and, and <laughs> some creators more than others lose a little bit more perspective. Um, you can see them kind of going on their crazy rants a lot, but man, this is pretty fun. You know, for all the talk of like doom and gloom and the industry's dying and being choked out and stuff, I mean, it's still, I mean, if that day ever comes, then we'll figure something else out. But right now, you know, there's still a few comic books getting getting sold, and and I get to have fun making them. There's still a lot of good comic books out there. There's a ton well, of good comic books whether, out whether, there. Whether people buy them a lot, you know a lot or not, they're they're there. It's it's a good time. No, you know, honestly, to sort of see you go through the creative process and go everything, and and on Twitter or wherever else, like I I personally I find you I find you rather inspiring in that way. So that's always been really good to motivate me. But then on the other side of things, like. I know you're watching me, so if I complain about something, I know you're going to give me shit. So, literally, you don't know this. I'll think about complaining about something. I'll be like, I think Scotty's going to give me shit for that, so I'm not going <laughs> to. You know, it's it, that's my it's my bad. I probably shouldn't do that, but there's like there's at times where you just look, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure everybody everybody has a list of their Twitter pet peeves, right? Where you just go, <laughs> if you follow over a hundred people chances are a majority of them are going to do some stuff that you're just like, what are you doing? Right. And it's, I think that's the one thing where I'm just like, I've always, not always, I, at least over the last few years, I've tried to like get rid of the grumpy side of me or the, the jaded side. Cause there definitely was that side of me for a while. Um, only because I don't know where it goes. I've like, read the Bernard book. There's a little of him in there. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely right there. And, but, and that's where, like, that's almost where it's like, let me try to get it out in these ways because, you know, sometimes I just, I, I can't figure out what to do with the negative stuff. I can't figure out like, even during, you know, there's been a lot of like creator owned stuff going on lately and corporate comic books, this and that kind of stuff. And, but it always seems like nobody's actually, nobody ever really says like, Nobody's leading me anywhere, you know. Nobody, nobody's saying like go here and do this. People are just saying like, what you're doing right now is broken. Goodbye, you know. Like, and that is a because all I can do is go. Yeah, it is. And then where are we at? We're just we're both still sitting in the room, and we'll just go back and forth, and we'll do that. Except, you know, like I always like when somebody says, you know, comes on and tells me about a, a book that they really like instead of complaining about the book they don't like, um, because at the end of the day. Even complaining about books you don't like, you're still like you're kind of hyping the book, because <laughs> like, any you know any publicity is good publicity, even if it's negative. But um, I don't know what in the hell I got off on this thing for, but probably because I was just trying to uh, make you feel better for being a grumpy ass son of a bitch. Listen, it's been. A <laughs> well, I think you probably always thought that too, because you and I had we had uh, we had exact opposites of experiences on the kid front. Cause every time I'd be like, my baby, just don't ever cry. goes to sleep. And then you'd be like, you son of a bitch. It's true. <laughs> You're my example of that asshole who had a perfect baby. <laughs> yeah. He just like, actually he had the flu for the last couple of days. So he just, he, he, he actually was whiny and crying. And we were both like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> He's terrible. And here he was just going, Wee feel good i don't know how to yeah no we're used to that that's fine that's fine yeah. we, we can't we, here's the here's the thing that that those of you out there may not know is that we could now do this for another three hours we can oh my t- God. We totally start baby talk we're not i'm not gonna do that to you yeah we're not gonna do it to you but but it's it's there on the precipice it could happen at any minute any minute any I, freak minute uh so i i think i think we've we've covered what we're what we've got to is there anything else that, that you've got coming up or anything you need to any plug a rose? Um, no, I, I think. Um, well, I just released a new sketchbook. Um, so yeah, anybody who goes over to my site, uh, my site at scottyyoung.com, could go to my store, and I have 
my old art book uh, junk from last year. Um, and I just released a new 48-page hardcover sketchbook uh, for $15 on my site. So it'll be available there at conventions. And then, um, yeah, the Adventures of Bernard digital is still out there. It's a PDF. It's $2. You should definitely buy it because it's $2. I mean, even if you hate it, it's, it's only bucks. $2. Yeah. It's 2 bucks. There's a lot of good $2 books out there. I feel like, uh, I don't want to say you started it, but a lot of people followed afterwards. Yeah, I definitely stuff. did not. I definitely did not start it. There were there have been people who have said, um, definitely people have said that I've started some two dollar <laughs> revolutions, and I thank them for giving me a spotlight. But um, I never, never acted as if I started anything, nor do I uh, care to be the head of a movement of any sort. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm far too selfish. I'm you'd far to, too. You have to write I'm, a manifesto. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm far too selfish to to be the the leader of any sort of brave heart movement. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but it was. I do think it is cool that um, by me doing it, a few of my buddies were inspired to just take the plunge. And 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 really, I think we're all in the same boat and just going, oh, I didn't think of that. Like that's that's really what it was because I did it, and then Chris Eliopoulos was like, oh shit, that's that's kind of a good idea. Bang, you know, it's like. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things that's sitting right in front of you and you just go, I've got all this stuff sitting around. Why don't I try to sell it? Because that's what we do, right? We make stuff and we try to sell it. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it's been cool. I'm, I'm glad that people are jumping on and I, I, hope, uh, I hope more people do it at, for, just so I have more stuff to read. Cool. All righty. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's wait. We'll, find some, we'll, we'll build up some more stuff and, and we'll talk again sometime. Yes, we will. All right. I like that. Bye. I want to thank Scotty for taking the time to talk to me. His work is unlike anything out there, and there's always a feeling of pure joy and fun leaping off those pages. Make sure to check out scottyyoung.com or follow him on Twitter. Also, get to ifanboy.com to comment on this show and check out all the other content and podcasts. There's definitely something for everyone who loves comics.